Welcome to Calvary Revival Church Podcast, where we exist to know God, live generously, discover purpose, and make a difference. Wherever you are listening from, our desire is for this practical teaching to make a difference in your personal life and in the lives of the people and community around you. And now, let's prepare ourselves for an uplifting experience. Ah, it's good to see everybody this morning. Ephesians 4, verse 11. We have been walking through this season for over a year talking about becoming like Jesus and now connecting like Jesus and specifically in this season, relating like Jesus. And um, one of the things that I think is critical is that in order for us to have good relationships with each other, we've got to strengthen our relationship with Christ and we learn certain habits in our relationship with Jesus that helps us with our relationships with other people. How many of you are glad that in your relationship with Jesus, when you ask for forgiveness, he gives it? Wave at me if you're, if you're glad he gives it. Does, now, does he give it to you pretty quick or does he, you know, hold out for a little bit? Does he, does he, does he give it to you right away when you ask or does he make you wait a couple of days? If we confess our sins, 1 John 1 and 9, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So how many of you would agree that the moment you ask him, he does it? Amen. I agree. The moment he does it. And so what if we could develop the same habit in our relationships with other people? The moment they ask for forgiveness, we just give it right away. Uh, and, and, and let the Holy Spirit then help us to do that. Now, I know Jesus has power that we don't have. But how many of you want to be more like Jesus? And the more we become like him, the more we focus on some different aspects of our relationship with him, the more it's going to help us in how we relate to, to one another. Amen? But you just look at your neighbor and say, you have issues. But I didn't cause them. Look back at him and say, I may have helped to bring them out. But I didn't cause them. We, we all, we got them. We, we, we have them, and they're there. And so you'll waste a lot of time. Can I be real honest with you? I was going to anyway. You waste a lot of time blaming others for your issues. And that's time you could spend letting the Holy Spirit work them out in your life. Say amen, somebody. So I, I really want to, I'm going to challenge you in some ways today, but we're going to go real, real simple stuff today. Matter of fact, so simple that some of you all who've been saved for a long time, you're going to feel like you don't even need this. But let me help you out. I'm not going to say anything today that you don't need. All of it you're going to need. And many times when we talk about simple things like how we read scripture and learn from it, how we go then apply what we've learned in the scripture in our family or in a group or connect group. A lot of times those who have been saved for a while say, well, I already got that, I already knew that, I already know that. But there are two things that I've found about us sometimes when we've been saved for a while. Number one is we're usually not as good at it as we think we are. And sometimes even when we do it, it's more religiously done than relationally what do you mean, Pastor? I simply mean that you do it, but 
Is it out of religion or out of relationship? You read your Bible all day, but if your attitude's still nasty. Come on, talk to me. So, so, there's a, so for even those of us who've been saved since Adam was a lad, that's a long time ago, there is help for us in Scripture so that we discover that then what we're doing, this, this is what I'm learning. I, I almost feel like I got saved all over again the last couple of years because I am seeing that there were things that I did religiously, but they weren't done relationally. So what happens is I didn't get the most benefit out of them. Amen? I didn't get, I'm the one that was deprived of benefit. I didn't get the most benefit out of it because it was done out of routine. That's when I say religiously, I mean simply it was my routine. That was what I normally, that's what I always did. But then when you start to think about your relationship with Jesus, you don't want to just do it because it's what you do, but you want it to have power that changes you when you do it. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. This is Ephesians 4.11. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children, we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Now, let me just take you to, from there to Matthew 7 and verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods and COVID comes, the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When Jesus had finished these sayings, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Father, thank you for the reading of scripture. Now let that scripture come alive and speak to us and change us with its power. We give you glory for that right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Look at somebody and tell them, if we're going to grow up together, you got to build your house. Look at your other neighbor and tell them, if we're going to grow up together, I will have to build my house. You, you see, here's what happens, you all, as you go from being a Christian toddler to maturing in Christ, what you discover is that the responsibility for your spiritual growth does not rest upon the church. 
The responsibility for your spiritual growth doesn't rest even upon your pastor. The responsibility for your spiritual, which is why a lot of people trip and go from church to church because they didn't get it at one church, well, he lost his anointing. He ain't like, he ain't got it like he used to. I'm going to try so-and-so, it's hot now, I'm going to go over there. Then they get over there and then they're there for a while and then they're going somewhere else. Why? Because what they're doing is that they're looking for a solution to their spiritual immaturity. And their, their solution is not in a man or a woman. Their solution is in their ability to open their ear to the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can develop in them what he wants to develop in them. And so it's no longer somebody else's fault or somebody else's responsibility. It becomes my personal responsibility to become who God wants me to be. Somebody say amen. Doesn't mean I don't need the saints. It doesn't mean I don't need pastors. Doesn't mean I don't need teachers. Oh, I need all of that. But it's what I do with what I hear that changes my life. It's what I, because the same two, two people can sit and hear the same word every week and one of them grow and get strong and mature and the other one stay a toddler for 15 years Why in the same church, same atmosphere, same word. Why? Because it has little to do with the church or the preacher or the atmosphere and has more to do with what do I do with the thing that I receive when I go to church. If I just go for the religion of it, I just go to, so I can shut my girl's mouth and my boy's mouth because they'll stop asking me to go. If that's the only reason I go, or if I just go so mama will stop asking me, if I just go so I can feel like I did my religious duty, that will not bring you into maturity. It might make you feel better about your sin and yourself, but it will not help you grow. Growth comes from what you do with the thing that you receive from God. Growing up is complicated, ain't it? You remember being young? You knew everything. How many of y'all remember? Who, you're, you're not a teenager, but you remember being one a very long time ago. Anybody remember the stuff you used to say about your parents, about how much smarter you were going to be when you had your own kids? And, 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 and I don't care. They're crazy. Why would they do that? Why would they say that? Now you got kids and you twice as crazy as your parents were. Talk to me, somebody, because you start to realize that once the thing becomes your responsibility, it changes the game. Uh, you see, it's easy to sit and watch somebody else and criticize them, but then you grow up, and growing up is simple, but it's complicated at the same time. Are you hearing me? How many of you are like me? You lived your whole life to be grown, and now wish you could be a child again. Long to be grown and had to and stop taking naps. Now I wish I could be a child and somebody would send me straight to my room right now. <laughs> because this growing up stuff is complicated. Because there are a series of responsibilities that come your way that most are not ready to handle. Ah, and most churches don't teach people how to handle them. They try to shout their way through, sing their way through, holler their way through, speak in tongues their way through, or intellectualize them their way through, or social justice their way through, but they never stop and say, here's what you'll have to do in order to grow up and become the person God meant for you to be. And then do that in a way that makes sense so that people can follow the process. So I'm going to skip all the review, get, go to YouTube or go wherever and, and get the message and, and take a look at all of that. But I'm going to ask you, if you guys have it, do you have the house? If you got the house, we'll put the house up on, we'll put the house up, uh, and it ain't, it ain't a complicated house, but it's a, but it's a house. So 
So here's the, oh, y'all, I know they already told y'all, I tried to draw it first service and it became a haunted house when I tried to draw it first service. So, so, they, so, so I skipped that step and let them draw the house for me. And so, so I've got my house. Everybody knows you got to build your house on what? On a firm foundation. Now, we've already read what that foundation is. It's the truth of God's word. Are you hearing me? But now let me be more specific about the foundation. It is not just the truth of God's word, but the real crux of it is it's built on relationship with Jesus. I need to tell you, if you're not following Jesus, your house is always going to be shaky. And I'm not just talking about the house y'all live in. That one will be too. But I mean the house of your life will always be shaky until Jesus is Lord of your life. Now, once Jesus becomes Lord of your life, it does not stop the wind from blowing or the rain from coming, but it will help you to be able to stand even when the winds come. I need a witness in the building of anybody in here who's ever gone through a storm, but the foundation of Jesus held you fast. So we're built then on his foundation, and then according to the truth then that we read in Matthew 7, we then build a structure, we build this structure based upon his teachings. And so the foundation is our relationship with him, and then the structure we build is based upon his teaching. And if you don't build on the foundation of Jesus and the structure of his teaching, you're going to have a shaky life or a shaky house. You can, can I say this? You can be in church and have a shaky life. So just coming to church, no matter whose church you go to, you still have a shaky life that's in and out and up and down and never quite makes it. And then you need to be under some, uh, some authority. That's part of the reason why we come to church. We place ourselves under spiritual authority. That becomes the roof that covers us. And then in that house, there's, some, there's comfort that then we create in that house. And, and I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I do want to give you all a little hint as to where, where we're going with this nobody wants a nice house that it ain't happy to live there. I don't care how nice it is. I don't care how cool it is. I don't care how big it is. But if, it's, but if there's no joy there, you don't want to be there. So now let me bring you back from thinking about other people to thinking about yourself. God wants you to build the kind of house, the kind of life, so that there's joy in your house. God wants you to build the kind of life so that there's peace in your life, so that there's, there's comfort in your house. He doesn't want you to have a house that ain't got no AC. And so when it's hot outside, it's hot inside. But God wants you to have the kind of life so when it's globally, when there's global warming, I mean, when it's hot everywhere, but there's, a, there's, a, there's in you, there's a comfort, there's a joy, there's a peace inside you so that when there's struggle all around you, you're not moved by that because you have a Holy Ghost HV system in you. You've got a heating system and an AC system that even when the world is going crazy, there's peace on the inside of you and you operate in that peace because of what God is doing in your life. But if you don't deal with some of your emotional issues, if you don't deal with some of your, uh, some of your schizophrenia or some of your discouragement or some of your depression or, or, or some of your anger, then every time when the world moves, you'll be shaken too. Say amen. amen. So there's a, there's a feel of peace and a feel of joy. Remember, I'm not talking about y'all's family right now. I'm talking about you. I want you to be happy with your own house. Because you ain't never going to be happy with somebody else's if you ain't happy with yours. Somebody say amen. 
The best thing Jesus ever said was the worst thing Jesus ever said. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's a cool statement if you love yourself. It's tough, though, if you don't, because your neighbor is in trouble. And so there's got to be change in that house. Uh, I'll say it comfort for just a moment, but because we're getting ready to jump into some practical tools in a second, but I want you to start dreaming about a house, a life that operates in the peace of God. Remember, same storms, same rain, same wind that hit the house on the sand also hit the house on the rock. The difference is the results. The house on sand fell. The house on rock stood even though it, it underwent the same types of storms, process, and struggle. So when we talk about comfort, we talked a little bit about the temperature of the house. How many of you know, but the smell of the house can mess up the comfort too. I want my HVAC working, but I want my plumbing to be working too. I want it to bring fresh water in, and I want it to take everything else out. Are you hearing me? And so, and, and I'll, I'll teach you in a few minutes that when you don't know how to forgive, and receive forgiveness, you'll mess up the comfort level of your life. Are you with me? Oh, y'all got mighty quiet. I must be preaching real good now because y'all ain't saying nothing. And so let's talk, up, let's talk about a little bit. Let's first of all talk about where it all begins, the foundation. Let's talk about how we study God's word and actually learn from it and not just read it just to say that we, that we read it. So, tools. If you're going to systematically study scripture, you need some tools. And I'm going to give you five tools. And if you don't have at least three out of the five, you out back. Tool number one, you need a Bible that is not on your phone. Ooh, Jesus. Ooh, Jesus. Because on your phone is Facebook notification, Instagram notification, LinkedIn notification, I'm your boy notification. Pick up this phone notification. So if, 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 your, Bible is, uh, if your Bible is on your phone, you'll never have a moment where you can really study it. Because y'all know y'all ain't got enough faith to put that bad boy on do not disturb. Because you scared they might text you, you might miss it. So you, you could shut it off, but you ain't. You know, Lord, Lord, you understand, Lord. <laughs> he nothing. The Lord, you understand. No, no, he don't. He don't understand. The Lord wants you to get you a Bible that is not on your phone. Now, I'm not against electronic stuff. I mean, the Bible could be on your iPad. It could be on something else. But you cannot mix the two together if you're going to be a student of the Word. Ooh, preach, boy. You better preach that thing, boy. You better preach whether they say amen or not. Preach, man. Number two, you need a Bible that is in a modern language. I know your cousin told you if the King James Version was good enough for Peter, James, and John. So your cousin don't know nothing about the Bible because King James was not in the Bible. He was the king of England in the 1600s. I'm not even sure if he was saved. 
and he wrote, had the Bible translated in the language that made sense to him. Thou shall, and thou shallest notest, and when will thou comest over as hearest? You see what the Lordest is doingest. And you don't understand none of that because you don't talk like that. Get you a Bible that is in a modern language. Stop tripping. I mean, at least step up and get you a new King James version. <laughs> but you're not, but, but I don't care how deep you are. You, and look, I know that Bible is sweet. It's the pink Bible they gave y'all in the third grade when y'all got baptized and didn't even know what y'all was doing when you got baptized. But that's the Bible they gave you. It has sentimental value, but it will not help you grow. Because you got to be able to understand the language. Somebody say amen. I know y'all mad at me right now, but don't, don't, just don't throw nothing. That's all I'm asking. Number three, you're going to need a journal. You need a journal, and I'm going to tell you why. You need a journal because it's going to be stuff you don't understand, and you need to write your questions. Now, I know the deep people in here, you got a journal because you get revelation, and I want you to get some revelation, and the Lord going to show you something. I got you. I'm with you. But for many of us, before we get to revelation, we got questions that we need to come and ask somebody. And so if you, don't put a, if you don't have a journal sitting right beside you, you're going to forget. You're going to man, I had a question. Dog, I can't remember what it was. Write it down. So that way when you get to your connect group, when you get up here and talk to one of the pastors, when you, uh, uh, when you get a chance to get with your accountability partner, whoever it is you pray with regularly who knows a little more scripture than you, you've you got something that you can go back. See, here's what we're doing, y'all. We're not reading to be religious. We're reading to learn and grow. Because if we don't, then we'll have this great foundation in Christ Jesus, but we won't, have, we won't build structures and systems in our lives that are consistent with the truth of God's word. And that's where we all got to get to. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, here's, here's number four. Uh, you need a concordance. Wave at me if there's a scripture in the Bible that you know is in the Bible, but if your life depended on it, you couldn't tell me where it's found. And now everybody's got a lying spirit. Raise your right hand too. So, I'm, so of course we do. I, 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 I got some too. So I, I don't know. Y'all hear me quoting them, but either I memorized them and remember them, or I looked it up before I got up here. I don't remember all either. So I got a concordance because a concordance will help me. If neighbor, if I know the Bible, say love your neighbor as yourself. I don't know where that is, but it's in there somewhere. I got a concordance that I can find everywhere the word neighbor is ever used. And I can find the scripture so that now I can stop being the guy who knows something about the Bible but I don't know where nothing is. And then when I talk to people, I sound like I don't know nothing. Because I'm still saying somewhere in the Bible, I know it said cleanliness is next to godliness. <laughs> Not in the Bible, anywhere. I know the Bible, doesn't the Bible say you make one step, but he'll make two? Not in the Bible, anywhere. But what about that scripture in 1 Hezekiah 2 and 5? There is no Hezekiah in the Bible. <laughs> Look at your and say, build your house and stay out of mine. Tell them. <laughs> and, and, then, and then you, you I, I want you to get your Bible dictionary. That's number five. I want you to get your dictionary. So you can look up words that you don't understand. Now, once you start studying the word, then here, here's a step now. It's going to be big for some of y'all. So 
please do not leave. You then have to learn how to be accountable to the word in community. Woohoo! Accountable in community. That means I'm not just serving Jesus by myself, but I am serving Jesus with my family or with my friends or with a connect group. I'm serving Jesus with other people. Why? Because all the scripture sounds like I can do it when it's just me. But when I got to get around other people, they may live in the Bible hard. And y'all ain't going to say amen because you're sitting by somebody in your family. And I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. Just, just blink at me. Just, then I know. You don't have to nod your head or wave your hand. Just blink three times if that's an amen. So, so what happens then is you learn something. And until we get you on a basketball court and elbow you in your mouth, we don't know if you got victory over profanity or not. Because yes, in your prayer closet, you ain't cussing. See, we need to get you in a ministry serving with people who will work your very last nerve. Save people. See, because that's what really tests you is when you when saved people trip, because you expect lost people to trip, right? But when saved people go off on you, now you going to another level of your salvation or not. But it causes you accountability in community when you're with other people Then takes what you've learned and helps you. It's like taking an exam. I'm really not a good test taker. I know it. But when I get on tests, I forget everything. That may or may not be true. But in this walk with Jesus, you don't know it until you pass the test. And he's relentless. I told you all about my growing up in Rockford Elementary School where I was the very first African-American to darken the door. 1965. They had a thing called social promotion. You can't be in the fourth grade and driving and got a beard. got to go to fifth grade if you don't know nothing you got to move on because we can't have you in here with these nine-year-olds and you 17 that's what we have it's called social promotion see here's what I found out about Jesus he don't believe in social promotion he'll let you stay in the third grade until you 97 until you learn the lesson Anybody other than me get mad because like you keep going through the same test over and over? Oh, thank, I felt the Holy Ghost when I said it. I, I feel, I, Lord, why you? And then he said, because you ain't passed it yet. You ain't got to get an A, but you least got to pass. And so the Lord will take you through it so that you learn it so that when you move to the next level, see, everything that hits you in the next level God was trying to prepare you for it on the last level you were on. 
And so God equips you on a level so that he can send you to another level, but you got to learn on the level you're on so that you'll be equipped for the next one. I don't have a whole lot of time, y'all, but I, I want to take this just a little bit, a little bit further. Um, I, I want to talk about uh, stop acting like children and friendships, but because of the nature of the discussion, I can't rush it. So I'm going to hold that to the next time I get a chance to talk to y'all, and I'm going to deal with how you, how you determine godly friends that can help you grow. And let, let me just say to you, you got to be discerning about that because everybody that want to be your friend not necessarily going to help you grow. Somebody say amen. And, and so there's, there's some discernment, and I'm not trying to be deep when I say discernment. You just got to have some sense about how you make certain decisions. And you got to be able to see certain red flags when you start uh, trying to make friends to help you grow. So, so we're going to get to that, but it's kind of deep. So I'm going to leave that alone for now and let's talk a little bit about emotional maturity. Uh, where you are, where I am emotionally, oftentimes is the result of two things. The sins committed against me and the sins I've committed against other people. I know y'all would have hollered if I'd have just said the sins committed against me. But you, some of y'all was like, and it, <laughs> then I added that other part. And you're like, okay, I ain't, I ain't committed no sin against nobody. I ain't never hurt nobody. I'm just, I'm always, nope, not true. That thing runs in both directions. Somebody say amen. amen. And so where we are is the result of those things. Now, Here's what, here's what I want to talk to you about as we try to close out. I want to go back to the statement that I made earlier about the plumbing system of your house. Not your family's house. Not the plumbing system of your marriage. Not the plumbing system of your friend group. The plumbing system in your house. Are you with me? Now, here's how that plumbing system works. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Are you with me? So if I'm going to keep my house smelling good and not trying to use the spiritual Febreze, <laughs> tap your neighbor and say, the cover-up. But if I'm going to keep my house smelling good, I've got to confess my sin and I cannot wait till Sunday to confess my sin I got to confess my sin when I sin because if I do if I let this sin back up in the house I can't even preach that like I want to right now but if I let that sin back up in the house my house gonna smell so bad I don't want to be in it so Lord knows ain't nobody else trying to connect with me because I don't even want to be here because I have not learned to confess my sins to the Lord and get free. Now, y'all, we're going to go a step deeper and then I'm going to quit. Then you got this passage in James 5. I believe it's James 5, 16. Let me, let me find it, make sure we're right. Here, listen to this, y'all. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power 
and produces wonderful results. My, my. So, I'm on this journey, and here's, here's what I'm learning. As a boy raised in the Holiness Church, I thought what the Lord wanted from me was for me to bring my perfection to him. And then he'd smile on my perfection, pat me on my pointy little head, and say, well done. And, and if I didn't come to perfection, I felt like I was letting him down. Until he finally taught me, he said, you can't let me down because you never were holding me up. So I don't need you to bring some little phony, fake perfection to me. Here's what I need you to bring to me. I need you to bring everything that you are, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I need you to meet with me every day, have conversation with me, and experience a journey with me because you ain't never going to be perfect enough to be accepted by me. I didn't save you so that you'd be perfect. I saved you for relationship. So I want you to have a relationship with me that requires three things. It's going to require some grace to say you're accepted, some truth to say, but you still got to change, and some time so that we can build this house the way we're supposed to. And if I'm going to build this house, I've got to be able to confess my sin to God and then I've also at times got to be able to confess my faults one to another. I've got to have another brother in my life that I can tell him, this is my fault, this is my struggle, this is my shortcoming, would you pray for me? Y'all mighty quiet, but I'm going to preach anyway. I've got to have another sister in my life that, uh, that's my partner in prayer, and, and, and she ain't tripping. She, she loves me, and I can say to her, this is where I struggle. This is where I have some issues. Would you pray for me? And I know she ain't praying for me on Facebook. Transparency is a wonderful thing as long as you know who to be transparent with. Somebody say Amen. When you find you somebody that you can share your faults. See, here's what it says in 1 John 1, 9. It says, if I confess my sins to God, I'll be forgiven and he'll cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That means when he, when he forgives me, uh, uh, that takes care of what I've done. But then I got this issue. I, I lean towards certain sin. I've got a leaning in my life. All of y'all trying to sit real straight now. It's all right, y'all. But you lean. You lean. And he says, when you confess, I don't just forgive you what you did, but I start to correct your lean. But he says, but when you confess, when you're honest with a sister or a brother, that's not for forgiveness. That's for healing. You see, there are a lot of folk walking around in church that are forgiven but not healed. Because church will try to make you, at least some churches and some folk try to, you know, it, you got to act like you perfect. Rather than face the real truth that none of us are. Say amen. And face the real truth that none of us are because a, 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 a system that makes you pretend 
will keep you in bondage. Because as long as you're pretending to be right before you are, you will never be right. But if you get honest about where you're wrong, God can fix you and bring you into what he needs you to be. Because you'll know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And so not just the truth about what God said, but it's also the truth about who I am. It's truth about where I've been. It's truth about what's hurt me. It's the truth about what's damaged me. It's, about the, it's the truth about what I've held on to. It's the truth about my resentment. It's the truth about my bitterness. It's the truth about my anger. It's the truth about, see, oftentimes the only truth that we really want to face is the truth of what they did. But oftentimes it's not what they did that's keeping us in bondage. It's what we did that keeps us in bondage. Because you have no control over what they did. Therefore, God is not going to hold you in a place because of what, my God, you better preach, boy. God ain't going to hold you in a place because of what somebody else did because you ain't responsible for what they did you're only responsible for what you do therefore only what you do can hold you in a place that you don't want to be and I need to declare it over those of you gone through abuse and gone through hurt and been beat up and cast out and rejected I need to tell you in Jesus name that none of those things will keep you in bondage none of those things will keep you down it's only if you can't release that that it'll keep you in bondage but if you can let it go God will deliver you and he'll do something so supernatural in your life that even the folk that wronged you You'll find it in your heart to be grateful because they pushed you to Jesus. They pushed you to healing. They pushed you to deliverance. They pushed you to wholeness. They pushed you to build a structure that not only felt good, but it smelled good because your plumbing system started to work. And rather than keep all that mess in your house, you learn how to flush that stuff out by the power of forgiveness. God supernaturally set you free. And now all of a sudden, you don't mind being you. And you don't mind being around you. And when you no longer mind being around you, other folk will like being around you. Don't nobody want to be around nobody don't want to be around themselves. Well, you come into a place where God does something inside of you. That makes all the difference in the world. Stop blaming them, stop looking back, stop calling them, stop texting them, stop trying to get them to say they sorry, stop trying to get them to come and correct it. Let the Holy Ghost auto-correct it. Our time is up, y'all, but I feel like preaching another hour. I feel the Holy Ghost in the building. This is your season of deliverance. Here's what you thought. You thought you was going to get close to God and be a better worshiper and be a better praiser and be a better dancer. But you're going to get close to God and become a better person. God's going to do something inside you where you'll never be the same. You'll be a better father, a better mother, a better sister, a better brother, a better leader. God will change everything in your life if you'll let him get a hold of the house that you're building and build it according to the pattern of his word. Y'all better stand up because if y'all don't, I'm going to preach all day. Come on. Come on, stand with me. I feel the spirit of God in this place. Come on, stand with me. And when you stand, don't clap your hands. Lift your hands as an act of surrender to God. God, I surrender to you. And then I'm going to pray for you before you go home. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Go ahead, let them tears fall. It's all right. Some of those tears are tears of healing, tears of deliverance, tears of freedom. The devil told you that you was dependent upon them changing. God said, no, we ain't dependent on nobody else changing but you. 
Come on, come on, worship him right where you are. I know you might be new to this kind of thing. I, I get it. You ain't been to church for a month or two. But just trust me on this one. Just, just worship him and begin to say, God, I, I want to walk with you. I, I want to walk with you. Everybody in the building, I don't care how long you've been saved, would you just lift your hands and say, Lord, I want to walk with you at a, at a new place, a new level. I want to walk. I want to walk with you. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We're praying quietly. If you're in the building and you decided today during the preaching of the word that I'm going to make my reading of scripture more relational. I'm going to, I'm going to make some adjustments in how I, how I read the word because I want it to be real to me. Would you just slip up your hand and let me pray for you? Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for sisters and brothers all over this building who today said, from here on out, taking a whole new attitude toward the scriptures, toward the word. I'm going to build the house of my life based upon the truth. Even when the truth hurts, I'm going to swallow it with your help, Jesus. If you're in the building, you say, as of today, I'm going to stop being so isolated and alone and embrace community, embrace whether it's small groups or family or accountability partner, but I'm not going to live this Christian life. I'm going to stop trying to be the Lone Ranger. I'm going to stop trying to be on my own with this. And even if my isolation was because I was afraid of getting hurt, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit for the courage to step outside of my isolated place into community so that I can grow. If that's you, slip your hand up. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for sisters and brothers who, for whatever reason, have remained isolated. They know in their heart exactly why, and, and they know the what's and all that. But, Lord, thank you that you love them, and I speak deliverance over their lives in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, for not only freeing them from the fear of pain, I pray, Lord, you would deliver them from the residue of old pain in Jesus' name. And I pray now for supernatural Holy Spirit-led courage to step into community and to be able to be open, to be real, to communicate, to share, and be changed and healed as a result in the name of Jesus. Last one. If you decided today, get my plumbing system right, I'm going to learn how to get forgiveness and give forgiveness. The last thing I do, I'm going to learn because I don't want this smell in my house. I dare you to lift your hand and say, God, that's me. I thank you for doing it in my life. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you now, Lord, for the Holy Spirit's power to flush from our lives those sins committed against us and the sins we've committed against others. I thank you, Lord, for that supernatural move of the Holy Spirit. And not a, a move that happens in church, but a move that happens in every individual, every day, every moment of their lives from this day forward in Jesus' name. I want to thank you, Lord, that you're going to help us to build a life house where there's joy where there's peace, where there's grace, where there's truth, where there's foundations, where there's structure, where there's covering, where there's authority. Thank you, Lord, for this kind of life house that we're building individually. And then as you build us individually, 
put our houses in communities so that we're not just a house out here by ourselves, but we're a house in a hood. We're a house in a neighborhood. We're a house in a community of other believers. And now, Lord, the, our power, our influence, our affluence all rises because it's not just me, but it's us. We want to thank you for that, Father, in the name of Jesus. If you're in the building and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, pray this little simple prayer with us. Lord Jesus, I need you. I open my heart and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Wash me, cleanse me, make me a new person. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that little prayer with me as soon as we quit, which is just going to be in two minutes, you come right up here to see one of these pastors or leaders and say, hey, I prayed that prayer with the bishop. I want to know what do I do next? Because God's, for that, for that new person who's coming to faith, or there are two or three of you, I believe, today that have returned to your faith. Today is a new beginning for you. Here's what I need you to understand about our God. He has the power to give people brand new starts. And he can make today the first day of a totally different life. Does that mean, uh, does that mean, preacher, that the stuff I did, you know, don't, that, that, no, here's what it means. It means you never have to repeat that. Or there may be some consequences to it. You may have to, uh, I may have to handle your business and all that. Here's what it means. It means that God forgets about it. He no longer is holding that over your head because you've been forgiven, you've been cleansed, and now you're a new person. That not only goes for the person who's come to faith, but for many of you who have been following Jesus, I just feel the need to declare over you a new day in Jesus' name. 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 A new day. In Jesus' name, a new day. In Jesus' name, a new day. In Jesus' name, we boldly declare in the words of the Apostle Paul that we have not made it to perfection. But here's the one thing that we're going to do. We are forgetting the things that are behind and we are now focusing on pressing toward the things that are ahead. Holy Spirit, help us to press forward in Jesus name now I believe the Lord deserves a good shout in the building thank you for joining us today if you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart it's the best decision you could ever make we want to celebrate with you and we have some tools to help you on your journey just text Jesus to 48074 to find out more about Calvary Revival Church text GUEST to 48074. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and make a difference.